Pretty Policeman, Multiple Paradox Net Files. These are some of The Little Darlings. It's great to be gay. Our favourite episode titles. Right on, sister. Please be gentle. From all three seasons of the logbooks. You might well be very angry. So we've printed them on a t-shirt and a poster. Crash pad needed. Kiss my rump. And our limited stock is for sale at thelogbooks.org. Interested and willing? With profits going to Switchboard. Thank you for being here. So take a look at thelogbooks.org slash shop. This episode contains biphobia, suicide, and archaic language around transgender identities. Hi everyone, it's Adam. I'm just locking up my bike on the traffic island outside the studio where Shiv records me and Tash doing our links for the logbooks. This is the last time we're going to meet in the studio for this purpose, so it's quite a momentous occasion. And here they are. In, in a tartan outfit. Hey, Adam. Hello. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> Oh my god, sorry, I've lost my voice because I spent the weekend singing Cher uh, too emphatically. So. We're supposed to be recording today. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Our last day in the studio. Behind the scenes. Behind the Tash scenes. And Adam. It's funny to think that there was a time that we didn't know each other. I know, and this is like the best relationship I've ever had. I know. Probably the longest. <laughs> That's too real for the podcast. <laughs> Um, how are we feeling about today being the last day that we're going to record stuff for the logbooks in the studio? Emotional. Sad. I don't know how to put it into words. Adam, I don't speak on mic for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel, yeah, I feel uh, reflective and emotional um, and also kind of like really proud and happy of, of what we've done to get here and, and what I think we've achieved. I'm yeah. kind of grateful. I'm grateful for both of you in my life and I'm grateful that like we made this thing and apparently people like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you know what? I would be grateful for a coffee before we go in. Oh yeah, that's we do let's that? go get let's coffee. Do that. <laughs> okay, let's go in. You're listening to the logbooks. Stories from Britain's LGBTQ plus history and conversations about being queer today in partnership with Switchboard, the LGBT plus helpline. In this season, we're reading through the notes made by the volunteers who took calls between 1992 and 2003. I'm Tash Walker. And I'm Adam Smith. Episode 10. Thank you for being here. We are closing the logbooks. So we've got memories from Switchboard volunteers, some thank yous from the logbooks and some thoughts and feelings from young people who are carrying our queer family into the future. I've said it so many times, but the logbooks are undoubtedly the the best book I've ever read. When I first came across them at Switchboard, I remember opening them and and just not believing what I was seeing. 
once we had moved them to Bishopsgate Institute, I spent about two years reading the logbooks and I just knew I had to find a way to tell these stories, that they had to be shared, this so often censored, hidden history. And you were telling them, like in that talk at Bishopsgate Institute that you did where I saw you and met you, and I could just hear when I was listening to that talk how important it was to share these stories, actually, and how we could bring these stories to more and more people. When we started this project, what what did you want to do as part of it? Well, yeah, share those stories with more and more people. And also for me to hear the voices of our queer family through the pages of the logbooks. I remember when I started reading the logbook entries myself, this one particular one that touched me. It's from June the 23rd, 1984, which is the year that I was born. And it says, Caller reports he was attacked by two skinheads at Old Street Station at 23.15 last night. He suffered a black eye and bruising. And that just really touched me, that entry, because it's a station that I've used quite a lot to go to the pubs and clubs nearby. And obviously, you know, this person's just probably living the same life that I was living, but in 1984. And so I feel a real sense of connection to our queer family through these logbook entries and thinking in this case about the horrors that this person had to go through and that many members of our queer family today are still going through. Tash, what about you when we started? What did you want to do? I think it's kind of similar, really. When I was looking through the logbook entries, one thing that's always struck me is how many of those stories, how many of those callers, how many of those volunteers have been through things that I've been through. And time has changed, societal attitudes have changed, legislation has changed, awareness has changed. But why are these things still happening today? Because they are. Mm. And I really believe that the only way that we can really push for a better, more inclusive future is by looking back at the past and learning from it. And this is something that really struck me when I was looking at the logbook entries. And even now I can remember three distinct logbook entries, one from 1975, another from 88, and a final one from 2003, which all could have been written today. This is a logbook entry from June 16th, 1975. 19-year-old boy got drunk, was taken advantage of by a guy in late 20s. Girlfriend found out. She thinks he should go to the police. Caller says he has homosexual tendencies. No sexual experience at all. They planned to get married at Christmas. Guy was almost in tears about the whole situation didn't really know what he wanted, except he loved his girlfriend very much and wanted to live with her. He couldn't imagine a strong emotional relationship with a man, though he fancies them sexually. This is a logbook entry from July 13th, 1988. Woman called. First time she's told anyone she's gay. Married last year to a man she's lived with for some time, hoping things will change. Husband doesn't know. Very unhappy and isolated. I had a one hour and ten minute call from a bisexual guy today who started off feeling full of shame and shy about expressing himself. With lots of reassurance and welcoming his need to speak openly and coarsely about cocks, cum and arse fucking, he became very emotional about his fears, coming out and his past, paedophilia, sex as a child. By the end of the call, he said he felt great. He thanked me for allowing him to speak openly and being patient and laughing with him.
one thing that stands out to me throughout this whole podcast is human connection. And Switchboard does that. It brings people together and queer people really look after each other. Through the police raids, the Age of Consent campaign, explorations of gender, HIV AIDS. Media hostility, legal battles. Yeah, everything. Everything we've covered across three seasons. Everything Switchboard volunteers have handled. You know, I always think the volunteers do it anonymously and confidentially. And when they put the phone down, they may never know what happens next. Right. And you know what, Adam? There's one type of logbook entry that's always present in the logbooks. But we've barely touched on it across the podcast. It's hard to believe there's a type of logbook entry we haven't covered. I know. But let's share these stories now. It's when the caller phones back to say thank you. This is a logbook entry from February the 2nd, 1992. Leanne called to speak to Sarah. All's gone great. She's out, out, out. Happy as hell. Can't believe she ever wanted to commit suicide. And to top it all, she's madly in love. Thank you, Sarah, she says. This is a logbook entry from February 27th, 1995. At 6.45am, a very, very nice man phoned to say, thank you for being there all the times I and the gay community have needed you. So everybody, thank you for being here, reading this and being basically really nice people. Thanks. Basically being nice people, it says in that logbook entry. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I think switchboard volunteers are amazing people. And I say this as someone who's not a switchboard volunteer and making the logbooks. I'm just so grateful to have been let into their world and to hear their stories. Yeah, and I guess as someone who is part of switchboard, thinking about how it's impacted me, you know, I started as a listening volunteer and I'm now in my final fourth year of being co-chair. I mean... I cannot tell you how much Switchboard has impacted me. I've grown up in this organisation. It means so much to me. And more importantly, I now really know the value of listening, really listening. You are a really good listener, Tash. (laughs) For everyone that we've spoken to who's been a part of Switchboard as a volunteer or a caller, one thing always stands out to me, and that's how much Switchboard has touched them. So we asked people what switchboard means to them. I think it's true to say that I have a number of memorable calls, often, as I mentioned previously, from uh, young people. But the most memorable call that I still think about is that once a year, very often on a Saturday afternoon, and I took the call twice, a woman from somewhere in Scotland would call to say that her she was in her late 80s. Her partner had died some 10 years previously and they had never been out as lesbians, although they were and they lived together. None of their friends, relatives or anybody that they knew knew that they were lesbians. Her partner had died and she it was the anniversary of the death and she wanted to talk to someone about her partner. And so I talked to her for nearly two hours on this particular Saturday afternoon. And then strangely, a year later, I got her as well. And I remembered the call and she remembered me. And she didn't have to give me all the details because I could remember them. And I said to her that I could remember our call and it stayed with me for a year. 
and she was absolutely thrilled that we could just pick up and talk about her partner and their lives together right from the point that they had been together and um, it turned into a, a chat a happy chat and that is a very memorable call notwithstanding the serious um, very serious often very difficult sometimes emotionally very 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 sad very difficult issues that we were dealing with switchboard i i absolutely relished my time working at switchboard i loved the people i worked with mostly because we didn't all get on we didn't all get on but it was uh, it was really felt you were you were part of something that mattered because i remembered and everybody i worked with remembered what it was like growing up um gay at a time long before switchboard and i was just thinking goodness i wish this had been around when i was 10 12 13 uh and and also there were many very i remember very many really really difficult sad calls but also some very funny ones and there were people that was just so many people it's just a joy to speak to even though it was down the telephone there's something much more intimate about being able to talk to someone than there ever could be in a chat room or you know a message online uh, hearing hearing the sighs hearing the emotion hearing the laughs because as i said it's it wasn't all sad serious life and death stuff there was a lot of a lot of humor and there was a lot of humor in the office which uh oh, i missed that switchboard was my finishing school switchboard is where i gained 90% of the confidence that I have today and I know that I come across as ridiculously confident. Every human being who's not a complete sociopath has imposter syndrome, has doubts, has all of those things and especially if you're a woman because we're trained to double guess ourselves in a way that a lot of men aren't. But switchboard really taught me to be bold. I used to say it was the longest relationship of my life which was definitely true Subsequently, I was at THT for 17 years, but I've got to say, you know, Switchboard, there's a lingering fondness for it because it kind of is where I grew up. It also gave me the level of verbal dexterity that means I can be a complete cow on Twitter in a way that's quite difficult to answer. Um. So I'm going to read you the letter that I sent to Switchboard replying to the contact team who'd written to me um, asking me to go and train to be a volunteer. I chose my very best paper. It's got a beautiful rainbow and a, a seaside scene and a, a lighthouse on it. 2nd of March, 1996. Dear contact team, thank you for your letter of the 29th of the 2nd of 96. I would like to come to the CAT series, do Sunday sessions, beginning on Sunday, April the 14th, 1996. I'm able to attend all of the dates in this series. I look forward to seeing you then. Best wishes, Ruth Turner. Best handwriting as well. I love the sound of Ruth's letterhead paper. Very fancy. <laughs> We're going to hear from Judith now, who's going to mention the frogs. And that stands for Friends of Gay Switchboard. Basically, our regular donors. 
it wasn't just the taking calls. There was all the, the working groups and the fundraising. I was heavily involved in the working group that looked after the frogs. So we, ha we, had, um, we had a frog's tea party at Switchboard a few times, which um, a guy called Kevin and I um, kind of organised. And I've got this terribly funny picture of us standing behind a table, kind of beaming with food behind us it was fun and I was just full of admiration for it there were such fantastic people there who put so much into it like lovely Martin who was the treasurer forever and ever he was so nice Martin Williams he was marvellous and he just slogged his guts out and was very very kind and very supportive and and lots of other people as well some you know great chairs and people people just being kind and lovely and friendly and and I you know I've, I still know people now that I first met at Switchboard in fact I'm going to have supper with one of them on Friday night yeah it was it was so good for me and also I think it did make me much better at listening to people not trying to problem solve but letting them talk and asking questions that might help them to think about how they could help themselves or about how things could change. I remember talking to people who were very, very upset about maybe a breakup and kind of saying, well, I think probably in six months you will feel better. And in a year, you'll probably feel much better. And just kind of trying to give people some sense of you will be able to move on from this, which, you know, often did seem to help. Switchboard will always have a special place in my heart, um, having been a volunteer for such a, a period of time. But not only because of the, the work I did there, because of what it gave me. Um, it gave me confidence, it gave me experience, it gave me access to the experiences of my fellow volunteers and the callers, and that has informed my work and informed my life values um, immensely. I love that Switchboard has been there as such a vital and accessible part of the community um, for such a long time. And I, I love the unique role that it's played right since the early semblance of LGBT community within London and beyond. This is a logbook entry from November 21st, 1993. Sarah. A TV-slash-TS who you spoke to last week phoned and said thanks very much. She, he, took the plunge and hasn't looked back. Richard. The plastic man you spoke to on Friday also took the plunge and now wants more plastic to play in. This is a logbook entry from February 27th, 1998. Amputee from Lancashire rang back. He rang to say thank you very much for the advice to advertise for another gay amputee. He did. He found one four months ago. Now they live together with three arms and one leg total and are very happy. So thanks to that volunteer who really helped to make a difference. 
when I joined the switchboard, I was like the first of the trans volunteers of switchboard, which was groundbreaking. It was also validating to see that my community saw me for who I am. I was not taken on as a trans volunteer. I was taken on as a lesbian volunteer who happened to have been trans, not as a trans volunteer. And that's extremely validating at that time for a young woman to feel that. And that was extraordinary. And that meant incredible. That gave me a loyalty to the organisation and the people within it that was extremely strong and which was why I've been so staunchly supportive of Switchboard ever since. For an organisation that's been there so long, it's never stopped changing, never stopped evolving and being there for an ever evolving and changing community. And that is perhaps the most stunning way you can describe Switchboard always there for the community first, not for itself. So for me, Switchboard is a gateway to openness. And when I say openness, I mean your hearts as well as your mind. Because when you've got somebody on the other end of the phone listening, it's so, so powerful. So that, that's the road to being open and to discovering, reclaiming yourself. This is a logbook entry from January the 13th, 1992. To the volunteer who advised a caller to read The Lost Language of Cranes, he rang back, saying it had transformed his life. He's had sex with another man for the first time in his life. It was middling good, and he's wondering how and when and whether to tell his wife. Voila! Switchboard is a really important part of who I am, and... I genuinely think when I leave this earth, I will look back at it and think it's the best thing I've ever done. It's, it's that important. And I could never have guessed, but it's become so much part of my life. And therefore, because of the nature of what the volunteering is, it's become a really important part of me. Um, and and I'm, I'm grateful to it. I'm grateful to all of our callers. It's just the most fantastic service. It, I can't foresee a time that will never not be needed. So many people have issues around loneliness and heartbreak. The type of callers that we get are, is changing as society changes, but I just can't foresee a time when, when we'll not be needed. And it's the most uh, uh, amazing thing. It's almost... I find it almost hard to put into words and and often and I know I've spoken to you about this Tash I often get emotional when I think about it because it's it's just there it's there for people but being a volunteer is not a one way exchange it's such a gift it's an absolute gift yeah, I suppose my my experience of a switchboard is very minimal, but it, the word that comes to mind is kind kindness, and because that that person who I dealt with, which obviously, who obviously was was one person at the time, but that can't happen if the culture isn't there to encourage the person who's answering the phone and taking the call to 
to to behave in that way and to say the right things. So, you know, not everyone will know the right thing to say, but you can be kind to people <laughs> and you can give them space and time. In the interim years, apart from referring people to phone you, I haven't had any other interaction, but um, you know, more recently we've we've been in touch and that's and that's also resonated there. So yeah, that would be my word, kindness. This is a logbook entry from June the 5th, 1992. To who was on shift on Monday night, a 15-year-old boy from Lincoln phoned to say thank you to the man he spoke to. This is a letter pasted into the logbook on January the 9th, 1997. Dear people, just wanted to say a big thank you to all of you for the help you gave me when I called after my son told me he was gay. I was proud that he had the courage to, but a little shell-shocked. I gather he has spoken to you, and you have helped him greatly. Last night we were able to talk about how we both felt, and that was lovely. No doubt I shall learn more in the weeks to come, and perhaps shed some opinions. Hope you all had a lovely Christmas, and that the new year will bring you all you wish for yourselves. Thanks again. So for me, it means everything because it means a place to be authentically myself without any limitations. But it also means a place where I can bring the best of me to something and it not be kind of questioned or up for debate or any of those things. I'm just here on my merit and that's that's it. And, you know, for me, that's really, really empowering. And I just think for me, Switchboard you know it's just such a wonderful place it's full of so many amazingly diverse brilliant people that all kind of pull their different perspectives together maybe on different views to kind of form this one voice for the caller and I think that's incredible switch forward in one word um have to um (laughs) switch forward is my mild obsession because I don't have that much else going on in my life. Everything, everything I do is, is kind of voluntary. I care enormously about the callers and about Switchboard. That the organisation can become what it needs to be for the callers. Our tendency has been to look at ourselves and make the changes we've had to do. And we've made some enormous changes in recent years. But uh, we have to keep our focus on, on the phone that never stops ringing, the messages that are constantly coming in, and the stream of email. We are there for them because we are them. Spiritual volunteers are the people who, who, who phone. We, don't, we, wouldn't, we can't use our own service, but we've been there. We know that. We, we share elements of experience and as an organisation our strength is because we are renewed because we have all these new people joining and we get some truly brilliant people you you know we have we have amazing volunteers this is a logbook entry from december the 18th 1997 The Teletubby cake that Richard Desmond made and left for volunteers to eat was fabulous. Thanks. Another volunteer writes, I'll second that. 
I think sometimes you feel like you've made a real connection with someone and even if even in those situations where you can't help them with whatever it is they're going through you feel like having been with them in those feelings is worthwhile and you know sometimes sometimes they express that they feel better they don't always express that they feel better but that's okay because you can tell that the call was valuable for them even if they didn't finish the call being like hooray I'm you know I'm better now Oh, it's so amazing hearing all those logbook entries and expressions of what Switchboard means to people, volunteers, callers, anyone really. And amazing to hear the collective wisdom, especially of our queer elders, through all these three seasons now. Yeah, in many ways, what's the point of this podcast if not to learn from our elders? But the younger generation is always pushing forward creating new ways to express themselves. Yeah, we've been listening to the past, but we've got so much to learn from the future. I'm going to miss your taglines, Tash. (laughs) So as we were working on this final set of logbook entries, putting them into a podcast, interviewing people in the usual way last summer, we had this idea to capture the hopes and something of the way that young people are living today. And specifically for young people who were born around the early noughties and 2003, the year that the logbooks close. Hi, I'm Poppy. I'm 20. I was born in 2001 and I'm queer. For me, it's a term that I can use that sort of covers a little bit of everything because anyone who wants to use it can so for me I love people who are men who are women who are neither um I don't mind what people identify as I just love who I love and that's that I first started using the word queer a lot more recently I when I was about 13 I came out to my mum who is uh, a lesbian and I said we're at a gay event a gay event and I said mum by the way I think I'm bi and she goes oh no you're not <laughs> you like boys and I said no 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 I do like them both and she, I think she was a bit sceptical at first because she'd only sort of known me talk about boys um, and I think that was a societal thing really she definitely knows that <laughs> I like everyone now yeah as I got older like I didn't really know what queer um, was until a lot later on and then I was like no actually that I feel that that one captures me a lot more perfectly when I cut my hair, because my hair used to be very long and I actually got told by this guy I went on a date on a date with, he was like, yeah, you used to look so straight before. And uh, I cut my hair and um, after I did that, I started to get people uh, make comments and stuff and be like, and it would just be sort of little throwaway remarks, but uh, there was one occasion where this guy was like to me, oh yeah, you lesbian dyke slut. And I was like, oh, that's new, okay, all right. And it took me aback a little bit because I thought I remembered when my parents like when I was growing up and I'd go down the street with my mums and um you know people would give my parents dirty looks or whatever but it and you know say things but I hadn't had that 
directly targeted at me before and I was just like oh okay so this is still very much a thing but I think it's like one of those I think it's like a quieter homophobia where like it's very it's like still very much there I do think that in the future things are going to continue to become more and more accepting for everyone and more positive and I think one of the big things for me that I'm sort of more newly become open about is the fact that although I do have monogamous relationships, I'm also very open to not having monogamous relationships. Being queer like perfectly captures all of that because it just covers so many different things. And I think there'll be more understanding of what that means to people as in on an individual basis and more sort of just like accepting for every little aspect of that as a whole I hope I really hope that within the next 20 years that 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 is something that can happen and that you know if I was to come home and go oh um you know this is my husband and this is my wife and <laughs> people would just be like yeah okay that's cool don't care um but I, th- I think heaven knows whether that will happen in 20 years or not but I hope so because I think that'd be cool Hi, I'm Noah. My pronouns are he, they. I'm 16 and I was born in 2005. I identify as non-binary. I like non-binary as a label because it's the sort of label that I can have where to me it doesn't feel like a label, really. It's more like, I describe it as like a canyon. Canyons are really big spaces, but they're very hard to like get out of. And it's not somewhere like, I don't think I'm leaving being non-binary anytime soon. But it just means for me, like on certain days, if I feel more feminine, that's okay. And I'm not in this confined box. Because when I was younger, I used to put myself in that. And it just feels a lot more open and free. I think some part of me always knew that I was trans. I remember I have memories of like when I was younger, when I first got my hair cut short, because it used to be very, very long. And I first got it cut short and it was like almost this length that I have at the moment, quite like a pixie cut type thing. I left the hairdressers and my sister said to me, she was like, so why did you all of a sudden want to get your hair cut short? Do you think you're a boy? And I was like, no, which is, you know, kind of true. And that was sort of like the first time I ever thought about that properly. And then there have just been like situations that I now think of and I'm like, why did I not know sooner? And I started thinking about it more and more and I was like, I'm not really sure about this. And I went online on the Mermaids website and I did like some online chats with people from there. That really helped me. I I would go on and I'd chat to them for like three hours about it and cry a lot. Because <laughs> uh, it's it kind of a scary thing. Like now it's not a scary thing, but back then I was very scared of it. I have this group of friends and we're all non-binary and we can share those experiences together instead of sort of, at least what I imagine, uh, would be more solitary, an experience where you didn't understand yourself and there was nothing to explain it. And so you'd have like, you'd sort of be like, oh, I'm androgynous, which is like in 2021, it's more of a word that we use to describe like how you present yourself, like expression. Um... And I'm I'm really glad that we have that sort of space where I can have all my friends and know we can share that experience and know that we are all somewhat of the same gender. So when I was nine, I decided I want to do animation as a career because I watched like a bunch of documentaries about Pixar and things and I was like, that's what I want. So I, I did that and then 
maybe a couple years later, I decided where I was going for university, which I actually, I went and visited that. So I'm, I'm going to go to university at a place called Ringling College of Art and Design in Florida, which is a lovely, lovely place. Um, and so I'm going to do um, college. And then straight after that, when I turn 18 um, in April of 2023, I'm going to go to, there's a surgeon in the States that I really want to do my top surgery because I think she's just really good and I've seen her work and she gets great results. And so when I'm 18, that's what I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to go off to uni and that's going to be great. And then I'm going to get a job at Pixar or Marvel or somewhere like that and do animation and I have nothing from there. But that's like a solid seven years of my life planned out. (laughs) I have a message for... Uh, the non-binary elders who've paved the way for us younger non-binary people to present how we want and be who we want to be and be able to live freely with that because I know that that wasn't an easy thing. And it's just sort of, I want to say thank you for being able to walk the hard path and so I can come and I can thrive and I can have my friends around me and know that they're there to support me and I can support them. Hi, my name is Lucas. My pronouns are he slash him. I'm 21 and I was born in 1999. If you had to put a label on it, I'd say I identify as bisexual, but I kind of reject that label. It's probably because I grew up in, it was a public school, and if you're different to the crowd, they immediately go, haha, that guy's gay. And, you know, it's ironically, as I got older, I was like, oh, maybe I do have feelings for guys. But also I was like, kind of rejected the whole idea of it in the first place because I was constantly being viewed as different and ostracized and in a negative way because of just being different. And then when those um, feelings did finally emerge, I kind of started, I had a lot of trouble with it. And um, I really felt like I tried to not repress it as such, but I didn't really, I didn't talk about it with any of my friends. I wasn't comfortable speaking about it with my family. Now I'm a bit more open with it and I've accepted it a lot more. I'll meet other people from LGBTQ backgrounds and sometimes I'll be very hard pressed and they'll want me to be like, oh, so what, what do you identify as? And I, and every time I just go, I identify as Lucas, I'm my own person, they kind of reject and they go, oh no, but are you into boys? Are you into girls? Are you gay? Are you bisexual? And stuff like that. Um, and I just think as much as it is good to have a community of people around you and being able to identify with a certain crowd, there is a degree of this is just my life that I'm living and I don't really want to fit into a box. So yeah, I would say that from my own personal experience, there has been a lot of pressure on um on just anyone to fall into a certain sexual demographic i'm a very strong believer in the in that like sexuality is a spectrum no one is 100 percent anything and there's seven point something billion people in the world there's always going to be someone that makes you question your sexuality there's always going to be someone who fits your on paper type and you're just not attracted to them it just doesn't I don't think there's a science to it. I think it's more of a very visceral human thing. I'm a pretty agreeable person. And I, I would say that I I found it pretty easy to 
get along with people without making my sexuality even really known it will come up in a conversation and i'll have known them for months and months and months or sometimes even years and they'll be like wow i had no idea that you were bi and i'll be like well it's it's a little bit different to that but yeah i guess if you wanted to like kind of categorize it in your mind yeah you could say that i'm bi i'm bisexual but i just think that a lot of the time i don't think it's I don't, I didn't ever feel pressured or that I was supposed to just be friends with people on the LGBT spectrum. And I have met so many hetero cisgendered people who are just brilliant and completely accepting and completely on board with whatever you are as a person. I just think when you grow up in a school, when you grow up in an area which is very influenced by social media and influenced by whatever the hell is happening in America and stuff like that. And they're all trying to be something that they're not anyway. Being yourself is kind of seen as controversial almost. And I just think, yeah, the the harder you try to kind of fit into a box, the more kind of, you, it feels like you're kind of chopping off parts of your personality, you know, just to fit into that box. I think one of the best things that you can do, even if you, even if you're straight, if you're, um, if you're gay, if you're bisexual, if you're trans, is to have that, but to be so much more outside of it. If I was speaking to the to our LGBTQ elders, um, I would say, well, firstly, thank you because you know I probably <laughs> things would have been a hell of a lot worse if you weren't there, and also that I think, not that you know, jobs done, pack it in, but you know, it's, we're seeing results now and it's, it's good. And it's, it's not like everything's was for nothing. And there's always going to be people who resist it. And there's always going to be people, be people who are closed off to it and will have a problem with it. But what you have done has impacted so many people's lives in such a positive way. And I just, I, I don't think you can be thanked enough for it. Hi, my name is Sai. My pronouns are they, them. I am 18 and I was born in the year 2003 and I identify as gender fluid. To me, it means that I can just wake up one morning and just kind of like, you know, present myself the way I feel that day. So say I wake up and I feel more masculine, I can present myself as more masculine or more feminine or just kind of like a mix in between. And, you know, it's just, for me, it's good because then I I don't have to, like, identify as, like, you know, just be one, like, constant, you know, thing. I do drag sometimes, like, drag king stuff. I do that. So, for me, that's just kind of, like, dressing up however gender I want. Like, nothing is, I feel like clothing shouldn't be, you know, gender specific. You know, because I could present myself, I could look completely masculine and I could pass, but I would like implement like a skirt or something, you know, just kind of like be out of like the norm, I'd say. We're in 2021. There's a lot of people that actually embrace people being, you know, gender fluid, non-binary, trans whatsoever. And there was this one time I actually went to a art party stuff and I saw so many 
you know um lgbt people in just like one space i was really shocked i was like there's so many of us but like i barely see see them and it's it was so nice to like just see people be themselves express themselves however they want to and just like not really care about what other people were saying it it wasn't really a party it was like a gathering where you could like um come with like your form of art paintings and stuff and they would look around and they would buy it and stuff like that and they were like an exhibition and stuff so i make um jewelry like crystal necklaces i make crystal necklaces i make paintings clothes as well sometimes but that day when i went to the exhibition stuff i didn't bring my stuff with me because it was just like it just happened like my friend just invited me and i just went and they did take their stuff with them and it was so nice there were so many arty people people doing tattoos and stuff i saw someone get a tattoo with like yeah i'm gay what about it and i just i just love that and that day really changed me to be fair yeah i started like being more expressive of what i wear how i do my makeup with my hair i really that cha- that day really changed me for me being bisexual it's just like is basically like just loving whoever i want to like no matter what they look like or what gender they are like for me personally i say bisexual but other people would see it as pansexual but i just say bisexual because like you know trans male trans female they're male they're female you know so yeah it's just about the person i don't really care much how what gender they are how they identify as if i like the person that's it i like you i want to be with you and that's pretty much how i feel so basically the whole situation with me and my mom was that um i had a girlfriend at the time and she found out through my phone because she would always like take my phone and look through it forgot to delete the messages there was just this whole like big fuss about it and then that night i got kicked out as well it was new year's eve got kicked out but luckily i went to stay with my girlfriend's um family for like five days and every time my mum would kick me out she'll let me come back because i moved here from belgium two years ago with my mom and my two siblings and it's really hard for us so she really needs me and so i've kind of like abandoned my whole identity at the time just to please my mom just to make her happy but like throughout the few times that she's kicked me out she's kicked me out six times i've realized that there's really nothing i can do to make things better as long as i'm bisexual as long as i identify as gender fluid she will continue to dislike anything i do and so she kicked me out for the last time and i was like you know what I'm not coming back i am done i'm trying to live my life and be happy and you're preventing me from doing that so i just said you know what ciao i'm gone it's more like something that's gonna change sadly like there's still gonna be hate around especially from family like it's very rare sadly it's very rare for like a family to completely accept you for who you are and it's so sad to see that there's literally young people out here on the streets just because of who they are like just because of their sexuality they've done nothing wrong they've not hurt anyone and it's just it's it's a continuous thing and i i hope 
one day the world can like come to see that we are people we are people like everyone else we have the exact same rights as everyone else i hope that day comes because then life for us will just be much better and much easier than it is right now my message for the queer elders is just thank you because if it wasn't for them we would not have this whole sense of freedom that we have right now it may not be much but they set like a stepping stone for us to continue as you know the gen z and i can really see that it's changing like i can see the change and i just think it's it's just one it's wonderful like i was watching canada's drag race and um i don't know what um her name is but she was she is the oldest drag queen that's still alive and i was like wow i was like that's amazing because it's it's like the amount of things that they went through back in the days especially like it must have been hard to be to be doing drag just like that like the hatred was definitely like more prominent back then in the days and just to see that she kept going kept being who she is and she's still here to tell her story it's just amazing so shout out to all the elders queer elders um i love you guys you guys really made it a much better space for us now If I were turning 18 this year, I hope that I could be inspired and informed by so many uh, people in the media or people in politics uh, showing how being gay was an important part of their life. But they had gone on to do so many things as a gay person that that world of possibilities, certainly that's that's that that's uh that's very positive that, that i i wish i'd had that at 18 we also get can get some very unrealistic ideas about sex and relationships if 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 the internet is going to be one of your major sources of information and porn is going to be one of the major sources you know we understand about sex real life doesn't quite measure up in all sorts of ways so go out there, live your life without apologies, live the best life you can. There will be trips along the way, pitfalls, it happens, that's life. Live your life without apologies. Live the best life you can. Thanks, Tony. That's Tony Whitehead, who's done so much for the queer community and, among other things, being a switchboard volunteer decades ago. And it's just such incredible wisdom. So, thanks, Tony. I wish I'd had that at 18 as well. Do you know what I mean? And it's like... 
feel so emotional listening to Tony. And it reminds me of when I first like read the logbook entries and how much of it was something I've been so desperate to find without realising. You know, I remember in season one when I said uh, that you're born with this gay badge, but you have no idea what to do with it. And speaking to these people like Tony throughout the making of this podcast and the sharing of this podcast has changed me. And I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah. It also reminds me of all the people that Tony volunteered with, all the people that he supported on calls. And part of this whole project is about remembering the people, the people who were Switchboard and the people who called Switchboard, those people who reached out for help and the volunteers who picked up the phones to support them, all of those people who are no longer with us that their memories and lives live on in the logbooks and they live on in this podcast. And that's what we've been trying to do is bring these stories out and share them with people either from the logbooks or from the memories that people share when we interview them. It's just amazing that we've managed to collect all these stories and these memories from people and to and I just listened to people like Tony there and I, you know, sat with him and uh, had a cup of tea with him and heard his stories there and asked him that question. What would you say to someone who's turning 18 today? And he's right. You know, they've got a better chance. And I also hope that for some people who maybe are that age or maybe of any age, listening to the logbooks gives them a better chance. I hope. Yeah, me too. So much of our history is forgotten or just not told but what even is history? Anyway, it's this moment right now. Every second we live becomes history and life continues, as is evident on the very last page of the very last logbook. This is a logbook entry from May 3rd, 2003. Repeat caller, softly spoken, older gay man who begins by saying he's called before and thinks he might be gay. Has had a relationship with women and sex with men, unsure about starting a relationship with a man, keeps bringing conversation back to, do you think I'm gay? He's very pleasant to talk with, but does not seem to move on with his issues at all. He already goes on the scene and to a gay group and has no difficulty meeting men. But we never get beyond the idea that he might say yes to the offer of a date next time. This is a logbook entry from April the 27th, 2003. Unfortunately, the kettle has broken. As a temporary measure, I have taken the one from the common room. Both kettles will be replaced by the end of the week. Three days later, the same volunteer writes, The kettle has been replaced in the phone room and the common room. They are rapid boil kettles. Enjoy! Calls to Switchboard are confidential, so to bring the logbooks to life, we've changed callers' details. The Logbooks is produced by Shivani Dave, Tash Walker and Adam Smith, in partnership with Switchboard, the LGBT plus helpline, and supported by the National Lottery Heritage Fund. If you think other people would like the logbooks, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. 
These ratings and reviews really help others to discover the show. You can send us your feedback and stories to hello at thelogbooks.org or join the conversation on social media with the hashtag thelogbooks. Our music is by Tom Foskett Barnes and our artwork is by Natalie Dotto. Thanks to... Steph Dickers and the team at the Bishopsgate Institute, the folks at ACAST, Content is Queen, David Pye, the staff and volunteers at Switchboard, and everyone who shared their stories with us. Switchboard continues to take phone calls from 10am to 10pm every day. If you're affected by any of the issues in this podcast or need to discuss anything to do with gender identity or sexuality, you can call Switchboard on 0300 330 0630, email chris at switchboard.lgbt or instant message via switchboard.lgbt where you can also donate money or time to help. <laughs>